One of the most uh, life-changing moments I had was about um, 15 years ago or so. Uh, My father had just died, and my mother sat me down and explained to me that I was adopted. I had no idea. I had lived to around the age of 35 and, and had no idea that I was adopted. So it was a little bit of a shock. Now, my story of adoption is a little bit different than many people's in that uh, my mother is indeed my birth mother, but the father that I knew, he adopted me. So he wasn't just my stepfather. He actually went through the legal process of adopting me And so that's how I got his last name and so on. And so uh, I was a little bit surprised. And and my mother, I could see in her face, she was a little bit worried about how I would react to it. But uh, I was just surprised. I wasn't upset or anything like that. And so you might ask, well, what about your real father? And uh, I would say, well, I I know my real father. My real father is uh, George Bedard, the, the one who adopted me. He's the one... Uh, who was there for me uh, all through my childhood and uh, took care of me and loved me and so on. Uh, Just because uh, I was adopted by him does not make me uh, his, uh, doesn't make me uh, less in relationship with him. Now, at that moment that my mother was explaining this to me, I had no idea that that we would end up adopting uh, children. I had no clue at all. Uh, in fact, uh, I certainly didn't know that I was going to adopt three children. Uh, it was quite interesting when we were at uh, the church that we were at before, and we would just show up on a Sunday morning with a baby and say, here's our new child. And the congregation's like, okay. And they thought it was really cute the first time. The second time, it was kind of nice. The third time, they were getting really worried about us that uh, this kept happening. Uh, but... Uh, I don't think of my adopted children as being in a different category as my biological children. There's not the one group that are the the real children and then the ones that are just, oh, they're just adopted. They're just the the second class. Uh, It doesn't work that way. I feel equally close to all five of my children. The, uh, the genetic connection is not what is important. It is the, uh, the love relationship that is there. And we have committed to each other. And I get the sense, I can't speak for them, but I get the sense that they see me as, indeed, their, their real father. And uh, they, are, uh, they seem to uh, feel really close. I know that, that they, they don't walk on eggshells around me because they're not afraid to, uh, uh, to give me a hard time when, uh, when I deserve it. So uh, it's interesting how this all worked out. Now, some people see adoption as being something to be embarrassed about. Uh, some people are afraid to tell people uh, that they're adopted because there's a little bit of shame there. Some people might think of it in terms of, well, being adopted means that my birth parents didn't want me And so I don't really want to share that, so we'll just kind of keep it quiet. What is interesting, though, is that in the ancient world, adoption was not seen as a second-rate kind of relationship. In fact, there was more honor to be found in adoption than just the natural way of having children. Because when you just have children, when there's just a husband and wife and, and, the, and the wife gets pregnant and uh, babies are born, you kind of just, you get what you get, right? You don't really get a whole lot of say in the matter. It's just these children are born and they're in your family and there they are. 
But the way adoption would work, and, and usually it wasn't necessarily uh, when they were a baby, uh, a family would look at uh, a person and say, uh, there is something about this person that we really want. We want to adopt them into our family. We, we are choosing them. And because of that, that person would feel that choice. They wouldn't see it in terms of their birth parents not wanting them. They would see it in terms of their adopted parents really do want them. They, they flipped it upside down and they saw it in the positive way. And I find it interesting that the Apostle Paul, in trying to describe our relationship with God, he uses this adoption image. And that's what we're going to be focusing on this morning. Now, I need to give you a little bit of background on Romans, because you have to realize when Paul is writing these letters, he's not just writing random letters. He's not thinking, you know, these uh, these cities and these churches, they just need some theological uh, teaching, so I'm just going to write whatever comes to mind. He's actually responding to specific situations that are going on. And the church in Rome was kind of interesting. So the church began with Jewish people who became followers of Jesus. So it was a mostly Jewish Christian church with a few Gentiles over over the years starting to come in, Gentiles being non-Jews. Uh, they would come in, but it was mostly a Jewish Christian church. However, the Roman emperor had gotten mad at the Jews, and he kicked all of the Jews out of Rome. He didn't care if they were Christian Jews or non-Christian Jews. It didn't matter. If you were Jewish, you had to leave Rome. And that left just that small core of non-Christian, or sorry, non-Jewish Christians there. And it began to grow. And it grew and grew and grew until it was this large church made up of non-Jews. Eventually, that emperor died and the Jewish Christians were allowed to come back. Now, all of a sudden, instead of being the majority in the church, they were a smaller minority. And it actually created some conflict within the church. The uh, Jewish Christians would see themselves as having an advantage over the Gentiles, and the Gentiles saw themselves as having an advantage over the Jewish Christians. And this caused all kinds of conflict. And about the first half of, of Romans, it's Paul uh, really emphasizing the fact that one does not have an, uh, an advantage over the other. They both are starting in the same place, that both are, uh, need uh, a savior, and that is Jesus. And so we start with a, an equal playing field. Eventually, he gets to the part where uh, it's not just that we have the, the same problems, but we get the same opportunity, which is to become children of God. And that's what we're looking at in this particular passage. And central to Paul's teaching is the role of the Holy Spirit. And we looked at that a while back when we looked at the concept of being born again, of being born by the Spirit. And he's really thinking of that same kind of thing here, that the Holy Spirit is key to our identity in Christ. To become a Christian is not just to join the Christian religion, but rather to receive the Spirit of God and to be brought in to the family. And this is what he talks about here, that we receive an adoption as sons and daughters of God, and that adoption takes place by the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, there's something really interesting here, in that he says that the Holy Spirit helps us to pray, Abba, Father. 
what in the world is going on there? Is this a prophecy about a 70s pop band? Is that what's going on here? Does anyone here remember ABBA? Okay. Anyways, that's not what's going on at all. ABBA is an interesting word because uh, we our Bibles are in English, and uh, those English Bibles are translated from Greek, but ABBA is not English and it's not Greek. It's Aramaic. It's the language that Jesus spoke during his earthly ministry. And you can go back to the Gospels and find a time when Jesus is praying to the Father. And how does he pray? He says, Abba, Father. So just as Jesus is able to have that intimate relationship with his Father, being able to call him Abba, the Holy Spirit gives us the opportunity to pray in the same way. He gives us the same words that Jesus was able to pray. That puts us in this amazing position. This is incredible that we can pray to the Father the same way that Jesus was able to pray to the Father. This is incredible. And then we're told here that we become co-heirs with Jesus. Of course, we have a different relationship with the Father in a way, in that Jesus is the true Son, uh, in that he is co-eternal with the Father. There was never a time where the Father was that, there, uh, that the Son wasn't. It, they were always together at the same time, the Father, Son, and the Spirit, for all of eternity. So we are not like that, but we are invited into the relationship and we become co-heirs. Now, before you get too excited about what you're going to do with your inheritance, you have to look at what Paul says about that inheritance. Yes, it includes glory, but it also includes suffering. Because that was the life of Jesus, wasn't it? That he suffered and he experienced glory as well. And I've heard some Christians uh, talk about how um, Christians should uh, live prosperous lives, should never have any problems or anything because we're children of the king. But the problem is, Jesus was the child of the king, and he suffered. He suffered a lot. He experienced poverty. He experienced uh, physical pain. He experienced emotional pain. He had uh, friends and family betray him. He had a, a real terrible time. And yet, he was the heir of God. And so, we should not think that just because we are adopted into God's family, that that means that there is no place for suffering. We suffer along with Christ. But Christ also shares the glory that he has. He was raised on the third day, and he promises that we too will receive that miracle of the resurrection. We will join in with his glory. That's an amazing promise for us to have. So I want to kind of bring this together as to what this means for us. And uh, I want you to think, when you think about your relationship with God, what are the, the primary images that come to mind? It, it could be uh, that you think of yourself as a servant of God. You might think of yourself as a worshiper of God. Uh, you might think of any kind of image that is there. And yet, the image that Paul focuses on is that of adopted children of God. That's not to say those other things are unimportant. In fact, those images are biblical, and they do have a role. But here, Paul is focusing on being adopted into his family. I know that for some people, when you hear this, 
this is not encouraging at all. Because when you think of your parents' relationships you had, whether it was with your father or your mother, you had a bad relationship. You didn't see your parents as those who were there to give. You saw your parents as people who were uh, continually taking and taking. They were making your life difficult. Uh, They may have abused you physically. They may have abused you emotionally. And when you think about that parent-child relationship, there's nothing attractive at all about that. And I understand that that happens, but that's not the kind of Abba Father that is revealed through Jesus Christ. Jesus shows a father who cared deeply about his children, cared about Jesus as a son, but cares about us as his sons and daughters as well. But you might say to me, uh, listen, I can't feel this at all. I have no sense of being a child of God because you don't understand how bad my life is right now, the the struggles that are going on, I cannot feel that. Well, I want to bring you back to that Abba Father prayer. When in Jesus' ministry did Jesus cry out, Abba Father? Was it when he was on uh, the Mount of Transfiguration? Uh, Was it when he was uh, walking on the water and calming the storms? That's not when he called out Abba Father. He called out Abba Father in the Garden of Gethsemane the night before his crucifixion, when he was dreading going to the cross, at his very lowest moment, he cried out, Abba, Father. I don't think that it's a coincidence that Paul invites us to call out Abba, Father here. I think he's assuming that we are going to be having these hard times. He's assuming that we're going to suffer like Jesus. He's assuming that we are going to feel far away from God. And this is the great thing about uh, this adoption. It is not based on how we feel. Yeah, there are times where I feel on top of the world. I can feel so close to God. I know that I am a child of God and things are going great. But there are many other times when things are not going that way, where I feel like God is a million miles away. I feel like everything is falling apart. And I just, I don't feel that relationship. But it doesn't matter. It doesn't work that way. Uh, I don't have a conversation with my adopted children each morning saying, are, are we feeling this relationship today? Because if we're not feeling it, you're not really my children today. We'll see how it goes tomorrow. Uh, it doesn't work that way. Uh, they are our children, period. Uh, there are times where I'm not really happy with them. There are times when they are not really happy with me. It never actually affects the nature of our relationship. It still is a parent-child relationship. And what Paul teaches about the Holy Spirit here is really uh, about the Spirit reminding us of it. Again, I see in this passage that Paul is expecting that we are going to struggle with this. He's expecting that we're we're not always going to feel those emotions. You know what? It's great when we feel the emotions. But we can't rely upon that. Uh, How many times do we hear stories about uh, husbands and wives and uh, a marriage that dissolves, not because there was abuse, not because there was cheating or anything like that, but one of the, uh, the spouses will simply say, you know, I just don't feel it anymore. I just don't feel the love anymore. And so I just need to end the marriage because the feelings are gone. I can't even imagine doing that 
in a parent-child relationship. Just, you know, saying to your uh, 13-year-old son, you know, I'm just not feeling this anymore, so I think you better hit the streets because I just, I just, the emotions aren't there. It doesn't work that way, and it definitely doesn't work that way when it comes to our relationship with God. Uh, it's not based on how we are feeling. It's based on the fact that God has adopted us and he's given us the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit, among other things, acts as our adoption papers. So we can pull out our adoption papers and say, oh yeah, I'm not really feeling it, but God did adopt me and I have the Holy Spirit in me, so I guess it doesn't really matter and I'm going to hope that today, or that tomorrow is going to be a better day than today. God revealed through Paul this image of our relationship with God. The idea of being children of God. It might come more natural to us that we would want to be a slave to God. But think about that story from the Gospels, the the prodigal son. And when the son comes back to the father, uh, he offers himself as a slave, as a servant. All he wants to be is an employee. You know, just give him a place to sleep, a little bit of food to eat. That's all he wants. And what does the father do in that parable? He gives him the ring and the sandals and the cloak of, of uh, sonship. He says, I'm not going to accept you as a slave. I will only accept you as my child. And that is what the father is doing for us. He accepts us as his children. And the beautiful thing about it is it doesn't matter if we feel it or not. It is the truth. When we put our faith in Jesus Christ, he gives us the Holy Spirit. Those are our adoption papers, and that sticks with us in the good days and the bad.